Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Homemaker Chic Podcast. It is Thursday. We are recording this on Thursday. (laughs) Wet hair. (laughs) No eye makeup. (laughs) We are on top of it, but we're excited that you're here with us. This is Homemaker Chic Podcast, and this is where we are rescuing the art of homemaking from the daily grind with red lips. And yes, I'm wearing a denim jumper, but if you could see the bottom half, it's actually really cute. It's not like 90s homeschool mom jumper. These are classy. Overalls, it's not a dress. No, it's not a dress. These are my denim overalls. These are my work overalls. And that's why I'm not wearing actually eye makeup because as soon as we get done recording here, I'm going out into the garden. And when I really grind in the garden, I have to come in and shower because dirt gets into all the creeks and crevices of my body (laughs) and boogers all day long, dirt boogers. And (laughs) Stu and I are going on a date tonight. So I wasn't going to waste my mascara for the garden. Um, Anyway, we are here with you today on Homemaker Chic Podcast, and we are going to switch things up a little bit. And we are going to be talking right now about how to get those beautiful homesteading vibes in your ho- in your house when you don't want the farm. <laughs> that down-home feel without the farm. My friend Natalie, who you guys hear me talk about all the time on the podcast, she always just says in her very stoic way, we live very different lives. So when I have to text her and say, we're going to be late for dinner, the sheep got out, we're going to chase them back to the pasture. She's like, we live very different lives. And that's okay. (laughs) Homemakers come in all sorts, don't they? I think I'm going to, okay, I'm going to make a note because we do post the blog post on Patreon. I think I did a blog post about that, about getting your kids out the door. Yeah. Like shoes that aren't covered in poop. Right. In public. And it's something about living different. It's a different world or something like that. I'm going to make it mm-hmm. yeah. a little notation on my post-its. It I is. Know. Let's say we invented post-its. <laughs> Romy and Michelle. <laughs> but here's the thing. Like we all love those home steady vibes, right? Yeah. We like that home feel. That's what we're striving for as homemakers. So that's what we're going to be diving into today. How we can get all that goodness without having to milk the cow. Mm. So the only thing we're going to do before we get into the meat of this episode is pour ourselves a glass of something. So let's cue that wine music. It is a, it's a little early for wine. (laughs) Define it early for dinner. So I think it would be a slight faux pas at 923 in the morning for myself to make red. So I will wait. Yes. And before we get into this fabulous topic, which was requested by a listener, we want to encourage you to pour a glass of wine or tea or coffee because you're probably listening in the evening. So you have full permission. Mm -hmm. Uh, We like to pour ourselves a glass of dry farm wines. So we would like you to memorize this, dear listeners, dryfarmwines.com forward slash homemaker chic. It's so easy. Even I can say it. Dry Farm Wines is a fabulous online company that will ship you naturally yeasted, old world, family grown, biodynamic, no garbage wines from around the world. This is wine that is grown and bottled to help you and Shay and I tap into life and celebrate it. And we specifically choose to drink wines that Dry Farm has hand-selected because there are 76 ingredients that don't have to be legally listed. 
find those wines in the grocery store and they use genetically modified yeast and purple dye and all sorts of things that aren't very chic and that we would like to avoid. So, um, so the script says for me to ask you what you're sipping, but I think it's my wine day. So, okay. What are you sipping today? What will you be sipping today when it's a culturally appropriate time? <laughs> when it's a culturally appropriate time. This is a Toscana. Have you ever seen this one? Um, this came in my box. No, I have not seen this one. Very pretty. Tiffany blue label. Mm. And I have no idea how to say this. Um, it's. I do like it, though. It has a little, like, serpent's bell. Like a yes. little Downton Abbey bell, like, yes. on my wall right there. So I don't know if it's Carondole. Carondole. It's a Rosso, obviously. 2019. Vino Biologico. <laughs> and this is um, a Toscana. And it's 70% Sangiovese, 20% Pinot Nero, and 10%, oh my goodness, Foglia Tonda. <laughs> yeah. Never had that grape before. So <laughs> you know, the Foglia Tonda grape. <laughs> you know, we go way back, me and Foglia Tonda. Uh, so <laughs> I'm very excited. Um, I'm actually... Uh, going to do salmon tonight. And I've been making my salmon with that um, concoction that we had the oysters in, in Mm -hmm. New Orleans, which is like, I just do the salmon on the cast iron and then I nestle it down. Yeah. And yeah, family very happy. So it's a whole lot of taste. Um, And so I'm going to pair a red with that. And this is my selection. Ooh, very good. I've gotten to the point now where um, when Stu and I do go on our hot date, like we're going to do tonight, um, I just take a bottle of Dry Farms with us and I just pay the $20 corkage fee or whatever, which is still a way better price than buying better wine for a way better wine. Yes. And yeah. Yeah. All of those. I really, Mm -hmm. I do like that because especially when you're out with your husband, like you don't want to get all like woozy at dinner. No. And the lower alcohol content of the dry farm wines is perfect for date night. So Mm -hmm. dryfarmwines.com forward slash homemaker chic. And we would like you to contemplate how four bottles for the price of three, or let's see, can I do the math? Seven for the price of six or 13 for the price of 12 sounds for you because dry farm, if it's your first order is going to treat you to an extra bottle for a penny. Mm Mm-hmm. So also do that. Very chic. Also very chic. Free wine is very chic. Very <laughs> chic. It's très chic. Okay. So pour a glass, ladies, whatever it may be, whenever you're listening to this. And let's get to it. After Angela answers her FaceTime call. Who is that? Go away. <laughs> okay. So how to have that down home feel in your house when you don't want the farm. Um, why wouldn't you want the farm? No, I'm just kidding. No, well, it's a lot of work. <laughs> not for everyone. I, do I don't want I the do. farm half the time. <laughs> Seriously. Do I have to have the farm today? Because <laughs> oh, no. I've got other things I'd like to do. I do like this idea though, of, um, just creating that feeling in, in, on all fronts in the home, from the home decor to what you put on the table, to how you're storing the food. There's a lot of options and, and, thinking about this and planning for this show, it really, man, it brought back a lot of memories. And I think we should talk about that because we sort of both brought this down home feel into our homes when there was no farm. I have a visitor. There was (laughs) time you have a visitor. There was no homestead. Can you wait just a second, please? Actually, you can go find your father now. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) 
<laughs> How many times have we done this? What do I say every time? Go find your father. Um, we have both brought that feel into situations was when there was no farm. Right. Um, I don't even think when you were living in your old house that you wanted a farm. Did you? Well, I remember <coughs> the day that Excuse I did. Me. Okay. I remember when I realized. So when Aiden was a year, I dug my first potage and it was four little pie shaped squares. I dug out, we had a slope in the backyard. So, you know me, I got to like, I got to dig something out and create an, an, a variety in the terrain. So I dug it out about two and a half feet and then took all that dirt and made four pie shaped squares. Went to the yeah. quarry, got rocks, framed them out. And after my first very successful season, I'm the kind of person that like can do things really good on the first try. And then the second and third try is not so much. <laughs> it's, a, it's a reoccurring theme in my life. So my first uh, season of vegetable gardening, I had been a perennial gardener forever, uh, was very successful. And then I got the itch the next year, like, oh, I don't think this is an off space. Mm -hmm. I think I need to do more. And I remember saying out loud to Aiden while he was playing back there, we need a farm. Mm. This is, this is addicting. Mm -hmm. um, and, but it was going to be many years till that came about. And I just like, we're going to talk about today. Thank you so much. Latte delivery. Mm, I want a latte right. delivery. Right. So how many years was it from when you thought, yeah, I want a farm to when you moved to a farm? five maybe. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then another five until you move to like your permanent farm. Yeah. So we rent yeah. a farm to learn how to do it. Yeah. And, and, you know, make all the mistakes on somebody else's mm -hmm. property. Right. And, uh, and then that was, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, when we, when I wrote my cookbook from scratch, which has a very farm from scratch down home feel that was written also in a rental house and all the photos fisherman's shack is that that was that when was? we lived in our okay. fisherman's shack the entire property was sand because it was on mobile bay uh -huh. and it makes me really nostalgic to think about it now but every chicken that you see photographed was farmer chip chip was a guy i met on craigslist which we'll talk about a little bit later in the episode but he was a farmer and he let me come and get baskets of produce from his farm. And we picked grapefruits from his grapefruit trees and tangerines and lemons and satsumas and all the beautiful things you can grow in Southern Alabama. What is um, a satsuma? It's like, a, it's just a type of citrus. Okay. It's like a cross between an orange and a something. Huh. Anyway, all the beautiful citrus, but everything you see, that whole feel that, that vibe that that book had. Mm -hmm. It was, there was no farm to be had. There was no homestead to be had. And I know so many of our listeners are in this place. And I know also that so many don't even want a farm, which is right. totally fine. Yet there's still something, maybe it's the Americana kind of a vibe, but like there's something in us that loves that country Hi. down home, comforting feeling of home, even if it makes us think of like our a grandparents farm, right? There's some just sort of rural warmth that comes from that sort of lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Um, and I see, I think, you know, you see this just in the infiltration of farmers markets around the country. Why do we do that? Because there's, it's not just for the delicious produce, although that's a big part of it. There's something about that, 
connection Mm -hmm. that people really like. That's why people go to the effort. They usually spend a little bit more money, a little bit more energy. We're willing to do that. And so I think that this does strike a chord with a lot of people, whether they're wanting a farm or wanting to stay in their nice New York city apartment Mm -hmm. and yet still bring that vibe to their space. All right. So, so how do we do this? I mean, I, Mm -hmm. in thinking, in thinking, this is really annoying me because the sun just keeps going in and out. (laughs) My light just keeps getting paced (laughs) as I'm sitting here for the Patreon uh, viewers. Um, I'm thinking to McHenry and it's a similar thing where I was in a coffee table book called, uh, what was it called? Romantic Prairie Style. Yes. Right at that Fifi's. Time. Yes. Fifi O'Neill's book. Yeah. And it's the same thing where we're, we were straight up in town, but there's still this overall vibe in the garden, on the kitchen counters and the dining room mm-hmm. of this um, homestead type of a feel. And I remember, but I remember at the time, like the garden was right when I, um, you know, I had just gotten back from, fr- from France you know, 18 months previous. And that's when I kind of went on to my, okay, I'm going to learn how to cook journey. Cause I really didn't know too much about cooking before that. Um, and it's sort of like one thing led to another. And I remember structuring the house and structuring my routine throughout the day. So it felt farmy. Mm-hmm. It was interesting, just little things like keeping the eggs on the counter, or I would go and buy, and we'll dive into all this, but like I would go and I started buying a lot of flour at a time instead of just one bag at a time. And I'd store it in a bin so mm-hmm. I could scoop it out with a scoop. Yeah. Just like anything that just gave me those romantic yes. army feels. Yes. So let's do start uh, in the kitchen okay. for our city friends that want to bring some of that cozy ambiance uh, into their kitchen and then subsequently to their table, to their families. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think one of the kind of most obvious ways that we bring this sort of feel into the kitchen is we do shop at farmer's markets Mm -hmm. because when you see the carrots that you got from farmer Rick (laughs) in, you know, from upstate, um, they give you it. It's very subtle, but they give you a certain feel. Mm -hmm. It's a different feel than when you see those carrots from in the Costco bag. And Oh yeah. I'm not, I I buy stuff all over. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it does give you a different feel. So if shopping at a local farmer's market, I mean, we are in prime season right now. If that gives you all the good vibes, (laughs) then do that. That would be a super easy way to bring that home city feel into your space. I think one of the, there's a, there's another perk to this approach too overall in its community. Oh yeah. And so when you when you start making these little changes in your home, even if you're not going to be on a homestead, you're going to meet some very interesting people. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have a little bit more of a pulse, obviously, on where your food comes from and more of a connection to it and more memories really around the entire mm-hmm. process. So when you start mm-hmm. maybe grabbing a latte and going with your husband on a Saturday morning to the farmer's market or with a girlfriend or packing mm-hmm. up your kids, okay, we're going to go. I saw berries for sale on Craigslist. We're going to go pick berries. You're, um, you know, you're creating memories, mm-hmm. you're getting to know some very interesting people. And those people always have the inside scoop. Mm-hmm. They always have a recipe to share or 
uh, information on the process of growing it or how you're going to get best storage results. It's just really a uh, mm-hmm. whole new world. Mm-hmm. Farmers markets are fantastic. Mm-hmm. It is. You're right. I mean, especially after a year of being so removed from our community and from people right. around us, right? Um, all the food stuff that we have that we gather from our community has a story behind it. Mm-hmm. I hadn't even thought about that aspect of it, but that it's connection to your community, it. it is yeah. like you kind of belly up with the other farmers at the market, you know, and you're like, Oh, Hey, how's the, when are the tomatoes coming? <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. It gives you things to talk about a point of connection. So that naturally just makes you like, come on by if you want to see, yeah. oh, and don't, and we have you pick on Thursday, if you want to save a little money or, yep. you know, in my situation here, I have a farmer that I work with for anything that I don't grow or don't grow enough of. <laughs> and I buy so much. He gives me the restaurant pricing, mm-hmm. which is great. And we have a mm-hmm. total rapport. He lets me borrow his bins and bring them back the next week. And yep. Yep. Excellent. I like the communal aspect is very important to me. It is very important. Even if, like you said, even if you are the farmer, even if you're trying to grow all this stuff, I have, I have grace down the road and she fills in where I totally fail all the time. Um, so that's that. I love that aspect of it, but let's talk about then. I mean, what are some easy things? Obviously produce is an easy thing to get at the market. Usually Anywhere you go on Craigslist or any kind of farming site in your local area, you're going to be able to find eggs. And to me, like what is a greater symbol of the homestead than eggs? Right. (laughs) I just, they're so charming. They're, they're so charming. So perfect. They are, they give you all the beautiful feels. And so those were one of the first things that we sort of switched over. Um, because it, it did, it gave me just a beautiful feeling inside as a homemaker to be bringing these eggs into my home. They're so gorgeous and so much fuller of all the things of flavor of vitamins of all the stuff. Um, and so I would get them and put them in a little basket, just find the cutest, most charming little basket I could find and set them on the counter. That's what I do in a big, beautiful crockery bowl. You yeah. Know, you mentioned Craigslist. Craig, Craigslist is, I think we've talked about this some on our rant last year. <laughs> um, Craigslist is an excellent resource Yeah, for, for what we're talking about, for farmers markets, for people who have extra, you know, for people who have wild feral raspberry bushes and they're just a pain. They just want you to come and pick them. Yeah. I remember as a child, there was someone who had just a, they would just grow a field of cucumbers. And we would go every year with my mom and pick cucumbers to make pickles. Mm-hmm. Um, that was pre Craigslist, obviously. But mm-hmm. there's, um, I find a lot of fruit trees in town that people sort of have inherited and they don't want like the apricots to fall and make a giant mess on their patio. Exactly. So they're like, please come. <laughs> apple trees and they, they don't want the mess because right. when they rot them, they bring the wasps. And right. Yeah. I've, mm-hmm. And I'm known to like pull in the drive and ask, knock on the door. Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. You I've see? done it. <laughs> you have a tree. Doesn't look like you're picking it. Right. <laughs> um, one of the ways that we, I think, could bring this into the kitchen that the average person could do. And I love this because when you watch BBC shows a lot, you see this a lot. People who don't have a farm or live in a city, it's making jam. And I'm going to do a shameless plug here. Okay. I'm going to do a shameless plug. 
I will make sure in the show notes that we post my honey sweetened jam recipe because I modeled this after the British style because I would watch these shows. They make like four little jars of jam, like small quantities and, you know, no, nothing crazy. Yeah. And then they would not process them in a water canner. And I was just like, how, how God <laughs> help me understand. And so I did a bunch of research on it and they would hot pack them and mm-hmm. you don't have to have a water canner. You know, I'm probably going to get some really angry comments about this because people feel very particular ways about their canning processes. But I will tell you, I have been canning jam like this for a very long time now. And if a jar doesn't seal, you know, it, it just goes moldy. Um, and so, and that rarely happens, but it does happen. So if you open about pork, we're talking about, I'm not talking about pork. I'm talking about fruit and honey. It's like, it's either bad or good. It's there's not a lot of get there. Anyway, this makes it really possible where if you do go and you find something on Craigslist for those extra berries, or you glean some fruit from somebody's tree and you just want to get that yummy vibe going in your kitchen, you want to make it smell good. You want to do something productive, making a few jars of jam is a beautiful way to do that. And all you need is some glass jars, some pectin and some honey. I sweeten mine with honey. So I'll make sure to tag that. You guys should check that out because it's like here, at least it's rhubarb jam time. I looked at my rhubarb. It's already wanting to go to seed. And I was like, stop it. I have not made jam yet. What are you doing? Mm. But I mean, what is more homey than a fresh jar of jam? Yeah. Like and homemade without having to have all the canning equipment and everything yes. and that's, that can be overwhelming, especially if you're in this city and you're like, well, where, where am I going to store this huge, Yeah, you know, not for, happening. Right. But for my six totally jars that feeling, <laughs> cut a little fabric, line them up on your shelf, enjoy yep. them in the morning with a little toast. Mm. Yep. Yep. Yes. It makes it very possible and no, no real special equipment. Um, while we're in the kitchen, mm-hmm. I think another thing that you could do is put your hand to fermenting foods. Yeah. And this might scare some people. I don't think it needs to at all. You know, so many of us enjoy eating pickles, sauerkraut, you know, pickled peppers, dilly carrots, like all of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and this of course could go into other ferments, things like yogurt, things that are fairly simple to do and can really make you feel, I mean, this is how we both started. It was like, mm-hmm. I remember making yogurt the counter sitting there. It doesn't yeah. have to be a five gallon crock in a closet. Yeah. Nope. It can be a very small and they even have yogurts. I used this yogurt for a long time called Vili V I I L I. You can get a culture for it online and you, it cultures at room temperature. So it literally was just adding a tablespoon of the culture to a quart jar of milk, covering it and letting it sit out for 24 hours. And then you can either strain it to make it thicker, like more of a Greek style, or you can just have it, you know, runny and pour it over your granola, but it was beautiful. And it was so simple. And just putting your hand to something like that can make you feel so accomplished in your home. And we always talk about momentum and encouragement. And there are small things that we do that your body says, Hey, good job. Like keep going. Look at us. You did all your dishes. Good job. You made jam. Who are you? What? This is amazing. Yeah. And I I, think I I like this idea of, you know, if you're 
if if you're living in in town and you're watching someone like you and I, I mean, like definitely, but uh, yeah, that's too much. That's too much work, too much equipment, too much yeah. going on. But just to take these things and really just break them down to something very simple and low scale. And, you know, the listener that requested this show, she was inquiring about nutrition too. Like, how can I access this yeah. kind of nutrition for my family without everything goes on the back end of it. Yeah. So this is kind of a workaround. These ideas are a little bit of a workaround and much more simple. And they're the way you and I got started. So Mm -hmm. it's a great, Mm -hmm. a great starting point. Um, While you're, you know, looking for a farmer's market or checking out Craigslist, there's a chance that um, on the perimeter of your community out in the country somewhere is an Amish community or a Mennonite community. And those are excellent resources for, for markets, but for also um, like farm stores mm-hmm. where they're selling all the different grains, all the different starters, honey, eggs, homemade <laughs> cheeses. That's those are a lot of fun, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's I used to use a website called localharvest.org. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's still around, but that's that's a good resource for finding. Um, just type in what you're looking for in your mm-hmm. zip code and it's going to direct you to. Mm-hmm. A lot of different options as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still use, and I just, I, when you were saying this, I thought milk because I also used to use the website rawmilk.org. Okay. I don't know if that's still around either, but um, that's another one of those foods stuffs that's really fun to source locally. The eggs um, and the milk were like the first yeah. out of the garden step. We used to go, we would drive a long way with glass Mm -hmm. jars. And Mm -hmm. it was just like this decadent, decadent treat. We would just get a couple gallons, Mm -hmm. but it's just the whole, you do remember like this, the process you'd go in and it's usually like a little shed with a cooler. Yep. You would take your jar, fill it, clean it. It's just, I remember that, like just with the little children next to me and Mm -hmm. see the cow out in the yard, just that whole, oh my gosh, very expensive, but yeah. Definitely a treat. Yeah. That was one of those things where we sort of set it as a priority, like, especially when I had young kids to me, mm-hmm. um, raw milk was really, really, really important. All the ferments for them when they were little, just really getting them off to the right foot nutritionally right. on the right foot nutritionally was, was super important to me. That was a priority. And so I was willing to, you know, have them wear goodwill clothes everything was hand me down everything every baby toy <laughs> every swing it was all stuff we collected from other people that we knew and that was so we could invest that money into the food we didn't have a big budget at the time i shared that with you guys on monday um it was super 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 tight and so when you're sourcing really good eggs or you're sourcing really good milk or really good meat it does cost more than the fake image of what we think food costs that's not that's artificial when you go to the grocery store and you buy food for this amount you have to understand that that's artificial it's only sustained by government subsidies which says hey cent eggs yeah, yeah it's not a real thing It's not a real thing. And every family gets to make this choice and I'm all for personal choice. So you get to make it. But when we had, when we made the decision, we had to just change our mindset and think, okay, 
This is what a dozen eggs of high quality costs. This is what a gallon of milk of high quality costs. This is what good meat sourced from a local farmer costs. And, you know, there's a lot to be said for that. That's probably a whole nother episode in and of itself, but yeah, it is. I mean, and we touched on it a bit last last year. It would be interesting to talk about it again. Uh, we were very similar in in, and we t- we talked about this a little bit the other day with Alina, just like mm-hmm. making sacrifices so that yeah. you can do and um, things that are more important to you. You know, right? Most of us can't have it all, so there's sacrifice right. involved somewhere. Um, Which is what makes those. You know, I remember getting blog comments like, "Oh, must be nice to be able to afford seven dollar gallon of milk," and I'm like. Must be nice to drive a nice car. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Right. <laughs> Must be nice to be tel- typing this on a cell phone and telling me how much, you know, right. it's, it is, it's just this or that. And, you know, just a reminder to chill out about all that stuff because uh, you don't. Yeah. And, and if you want a little bit of a farm experience, um, depending on your farmer's view of liability, they'll often take help. Like we load hay <laughs> to help pay for some of what we do and. Yeah. Sorry, I'm distracted. It sounds like Joel got hurt outside, but I don't hear any subsequent hollering. Oh, he yelped. I don't know if he tripped or something. Oh. <laughs> That's why I was like, what's going on? Out there? there was a yelp. Okay. Before oh. we get off the topic of fermented foods, you know me, I have to do a plug for sourdough. Um, yes, you do. So when I started, let's, let's go back real fast to the beginning. Mm-hmm. You got to think of sourdough as sourdough is advanced. And they say to, to become an expert at something, or at least to become competent at something, you have to do it at least 10,000 times. I want you to imagine how many loaves of sourdough that is. Okay. I also want you to imagine that I have made every mistake possible. I have made every type of loaf possible, the most beautiful, fluffy, gorgeous loaves and bricks and everything in between. (laughs) That's what I was going to say. Okay. When I first learned to make bread, my aunt Vicky came over to me. This was when we were renting a house. We were living in town, but like I was, you know, draw, uh, drying my laundry on the laundry line. And I was, I was bringing these vibes in. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. she knew that I wanted to make bread. So she taught me how to make it. It was just white flour, white sugar, canola oil, and vital wheat gluten. Yeah, Hi, girl. <laughs> I went for it, <laughs> <laughs> but It was, it really was a necessary step for me to be like, look, I made bread. I did this. And to me, it was so revolutionary and I'm really thankful. So don't feel like you have to get it perfect. Don't feel like you even have to start with sourdough. If you've never made bread before, you have no idea what you're doing. It might be a little bit more encouraging to you to gain that momentum, just making like a really basic overnight yeasted loaf. My super my simple first loaf and it's in my cookbook was my honey wheat. Mm. And I was like, my mom always made us eat wheat bread as kids. Mm-hmm. She was like, we had to have oh, yeah. sugar-free stuff and carob chips and whole wheat cardboard. It was terrible. <laughs> and so as an adult, I didn't think I liked whole, I didn't think I liked whole wheat. Mm-hmm. It's very like, ew, no, why would I do that when I get the white squeezy stuff <laughs> in rebellion as an adult, you know? Um, but I... I stumbled upon this recipe for uh, honey wheat and just played with it a little bit, adapted it to make it my own. And I was so bloody proud of that yeah. bread. And it gave, we called it home bread instead of homemade bread. Amelie was two years old. She called it home bread. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I made it for a family occasion once. And Amelie, uh, well, here's what she said. I, and I told this story and they all got a kick out of it. She said um, something about, she was very articulate at two. I'm so glad we don't have to eat store bread. I'm like, yeah, I am. I am too, sweetie. Isn't this delicious? She's like, can you believe people eat that crap? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> she was old. who she was at two years old. At two years old. She has not changed. Daughter's very opinionated and set in her ways. <laughs> She has not changed. That's hilarious. Um, well, it is. It's such a it's making me really nostalgic, actually, to to do this topic, because these were all things that we did when our children were really, really little, you know, and when life was a lot different. Um, but even if you don't want to bake bread like Alina, she doesn't want to make bread, mm-hmm. um, buying it from a local bakery, making it your Thursday you know, stop to go and grab a coffee and go buy a few loaves for the week at a local bakery or even to just buy some from, I remember, um, buying baguettes from the grocery store and I would put them in a basket. I would, you know, buy like six and I would come home and I would put them in a basket and it made me feel like I made them. (laughs) I was like, look what I did, a basket of baguettes. (laughs) Um, so there's, there's some, you know, sort of ways that you can just tweak it. What if somebody is like, I can't do the farmer's market. I've got no budget for this or that. I'm just going to the grocery store, getting what I can. What would you say to them? Okay. So I think, you know, for nutrition's sake and for this vibe we're going for, um, you know, we've all heard that rule about shopping around the exterior of the store, but it's so true. The, the most nutritious nutritious uh, <laughs> things are around the exterior of the store. So when you're bringing your, then you're bringing home produce and you're bringing home eggs and you're bringing home milk and you're buying the best mm-hmm. that you can at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. And then this is just where I started to get all the feels back at, in our home before we had the farm. And it was in the way that I presented the food, which is kind of what you touched on with putting mm-hmm. the baguette in a basket. I started, um, sounds silly, but it's actually one of my moves. I started decorating in my fridge and I know people are rolling their eyes. Some of you are rolling your eyes right now, but I'm talking about keeping myself and maybe you now in a place of being inspired and keeping that homey vibe always present. And so I started taking the produce out of the plastic bags Mm -hmm. little wicker baskets in my fridge, Mm -hmm. the eggs, taking them out of the styrofoam carton or the plastic carton, putting them in a bowl in the fridge, a little um, vase of flowers in the fridge so that every time I opened it, I had that color looking at me. I didn't have, I hate plastic. Mm -hmm. So uninspiring. Mm -hmm. And so it had this like feeling, this little display feeling every time I opened the fridge and it really helped my mindset Mm -hmm. mindset. When I went to create a meal, I felt inspired. I felt happy every time I opened the fridge instead of depressed, having to unfurl the little cellophane bags. Is this jalapeno rotten yet? Ew, it's Mm -hmm. all gooey. You know, Mm -hmm. if you put it where you can see it, it is really, really enjoyable. And Mm -hmm. food display inside your refrigerator, I think is a place is one of the ways that you can just stay in that space mentally and in your heart and Yep. I think about if you think about like a bunch of parsley in a plastic bag Mm -hmm. from the grocery store versus in a little mason jar of water in your fridge. Yeah. Like which of those would you want to grab and use? Mm -hmm. And the last longer too. Mm -hmm. In a little, in a little water. Mm -hmm. 
I would say so too, would sort be, of um, adapting or um, adopting rather that kind of European feel to it. And I know this isn't possible for everybody, but if it is for you, going to the grocery store a couple of times a week so that you always have fresh stuff that will be give you that like just picked from the garden sort of a feeling Mm -hmm. when you're staring at a refrigerator that's full of half smooshy half cut up nasty stuff like it just doesn't have that like farm fresh for two weeks yeah (laughs) exactly (laughs) and so buying you know smaller amounts but more often Mm -hmm. can kind of help to keep that fresh farm energy in your fridge or in your kitchen. Mm -hmm. All right. My mom, actually, she just this year pulled her whole vegetable garden out. She's like, I'm too old for this nonsense. (laughs) I don't want to do this anymore. And so she did a really great thing that is, you know, anybody really could do even in an apartment with a small little balcony. She bought a big galvanized little planter kind of a thing. And she just filled it with, you know, one bag of soil and she just put herbs and lettuces in it, Uh, you know, one or two arugula plants. It's just her and my dad, you know, so they don't need a ton, just a little bit of lettuce, a little bit of fresh herbs, you know, rosemary plant. And then she has one little tomato plant in a pot and she'll be able to put, you know, one little cucumber in her planter when it's warm enough to do that. Um, This is such a beautiful way. Even if you don't want to have anything to do with farming, Mm -hmm. everybody loves fresh chives on a good omelet. Right. Right. Or fresh parsley on your beef stroganoff or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. It's one of those ways to be like, boom, extra, you know, pizzazz. And And you you don't even have to be a gardener to, I mean, it's not like you have to start the parsley from seed or, or start your tomatoes indoors right now. Like this is the perfect season because and people are doing it for you. Right. You can go to the store and get a little, even sometimes at Costco, they'll have like the little bowl of herbs mm-hmm. all together. And those can go on your counter, on your windowsill. Mm-hmm. And you'll go to the farmer's market and they're selling like um, a bushel basket with a started tomato in it. It's already mm-hmm. two feet high and bearing fruit. You just pop that right by your back door and enjoy with your fresh eggs. Yes. And a bowl on the counter. Yes, do that. Before we head out of the kitchen, we're going to take a quick break for our advertisers. Today's episode of Homemaker Chic Podcast is brought to you by the Elliott Homestead Cooking Community. If you are feeling uninspired in the kitchen, you don't know what to make, you don't like what's coming out, I invite you to visit cook.theelliothomestead.com. This is where I send you five new whole food recipes every month, either in the mail or digitally. You get to get in on our community. We do a Q&A call and I walk you through an hour long cooking instructional video every month so that you can learn how to utilize these ingredients in your kitchen. The whole point of the community is to help you feel confident and excited about getting in there and cooking food for people that you love. So visit cook.theelliothomestead.com. Choose which membership level fits your family best, and we will see you there. Established in 1899, American Blossom Linens is an all-American company that turns organic, Texas-grown cotton into old-fashioned, dye-free, chemical-free sheets and linens. Here's a great review called I Sheet You Not. She says, honestly, I have searched a long time for sheets that not only have a certain feel, 
but are made in the USA. My search is over because of the fantastic product produced by American Blossom Linens. These sheets fit and hug the bed, which means my husband, a restless sleeper, can't untuck the fitted sheets. There's extra length and width to the top sheet, and even the pillowcases are a little longer. These are craftsman sewn sheets that are sustainably grown, dyed, and manufactured right here in the U.S. So visit AmericanBlossomLinens.com and listeners use the coupon code HOMEMAKERSHEIK20 for a 20% discount. So we've got the kitchen spruced up. We have some fresh food at our fingertips. There's baguettes on the counter. There's Mm -hmm. eggs in a bowl. Mm -hmm. The refrigerator is charming and inspiring. Then uh, shall we move to a little design, a little laundry, a little design? Yes. Well, I I think laundry is a great place to start. And we did a laundry episode a few weeks ago. Fine. We'll start there. To capture that that feeling, Mm -hmm. you know, visiting grandma's house and she had all the sheets out on the line, just line dry a few things. If you're in an apartment, you know, hang them across the balcony, get one of those. Oh, one of those... um, Drying racks. Everybody should have a drying yes. rack, anyways. And then a, you can put those outside too, which is nice. They're collapsible. They don't take up too much space. Mm-hmm. But I think treating yourself to line dried uh, sheets or clothing is um, it's a little gift to yourself. It is. And if you're following what we talked about in our laundry episode, and then you're ironing, said air dried clothes. Mm-hmm forget about it. Mm-hmm. It's just so lovely. For those of you with a backyard, um, have hubby or, or yourself even stretch a, a clothesline across. And then again, you want to have the, the feels we're going for yeah. the feels here. Uh, ditch the plastic laundry basket, get yourself a cute wicker basket. <gasps> if it's from the Goodwill. What? We have to talk about, I have a basket that okay. randomly ended up in my laundry room and I started using it and it's wicker. And when you pick it up, it sounds like a wicker basket. Yeah, it gives yeah. me all, all the feels. The feels. I'm like, yes, I'll focus laundry. laundry baskets. Oh my gosh. Baskets. Even if they like you're, you know, you're kind of hard on them. And even if they only yeah. last a while, they're everywhere at the Goodwill and stuff. Just keep getting them. Yeah. And wooden clothespins. And- yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's so funny because I've never, I never thought, I purely thought of laundry as utilitarian. I mean, we did our laundry episode the other day, but like, even still it was like, okay, what works? And, and I, you need plastic for a few things. Like I've got plastic tubs that I do my dry cleaning clothes in, you know, or soak really nasty things in, but But the wicker basket clothesline and you've got all this clean stuff and you're proud of your accomplishment. It is very cozy to have a wicker basket. It is. It's really, really lovely. Um, one thing that I remember doing when we were first starting to sort of shift our home in this way was I bought wool dryer balls. So no more bounce sheets, but instead I used, you know, wool dryer balls and put a few drops of lavender oil or eucalyptus oil or lemon oil or, you know, something of the Mm -hmm. sort, put that in with the clothes in the dryer. And even that just made me feel like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is so amazing. This is so amazing. Um, I have this plan. My master bath is done, which is going to be never, but, <laughs> but when it's done, never, it's going to have a laundry room. Never. <laughs> I am going to take, um, I do my kombucha in a big, the big ball jar that has the tap. Yeah. 
you know, it's like on legs. That's where I do that. I'm going to get another one of those. And yep. that's what I'm going to put my laundry detergent in. Oh yeah. So I can just be like, thank you, yeah. honey. And I'm pretty geeked about that oh. idea. Latte delivery. <laughs> Latte delivery. Um, oh. It's funny you bring up kombucha because I actually just started my kombucha again, a couple of days ago. And just if anyone needs this encouragement, I made kombucha for years and years and years. And I was the person that was like giving her scoby to everybody, you know, right. <laughs> and then that it passed away. The scoby passed away <laughs> somewhere between Alabama and Washington. <laughs> it did not make it. And so it's been a season of not having kombucha. Mm-hmm. Um, I have also done milk kefir. Sorry, I'm going back to the kitchen. You know, that's yeah. where I like to hang out, but just as an encouragement, you go through seasons, like don't, don't beat right. yourself up. If you got to just use the dryer for a period of time, right. Or you, you can't make the farmer's market because your shift changed. And now you got to go to work on Saturday mornings or whatever it is. Um, don't beat yourself up because one of the lies I think that we really do believe is like the way that it is now is the way that it's always going to be. Mm-hmm. And that's simply like the one guarantee that we do have is that it won't stay the same. <laughs> So if you need to bring something back or if you need to let something go, any of these things that we're talking about, that's okay too. It felt very exciting. Check, do everything on this list. I I know so much of what we talk about on the show is just how can we look at our day and what we do and, and elevate it. And many of us are looking to, to surround ourselves with beauty. Right. And there's a lot of little things we do during the day that take away from that beauty whether Mm -hmm. it's using a plastic laundry basket or some ugly tub to scoop our laundry detergent out of. There's just these little nuances, little finesses that can just make the mundane an art, which is what this show is about. I think too, just we always, I feel like we hit on this in every episode. So it's Mm -hmm. worth hitting on in this one. We always talk about the posture of the heart. I think the same is very much true for all of these things. Nothing we're saying here is radical. I remember when we started drinking raw milk, I felt like it was radical. I was like, I'm there. Like, this is the pinnacle of of it all, (laughs) which is so silly now. But um, I totally just lost my train of thought. Oh, but when when you're doing these things and they seem really small and they seem maybe insignificant, they only are if you're not in a posture to see them. If you are you know, scrolling Facebook at the same time that you're scooping your laundry in. It doesn't matter if you have a sweet little wooden scoop and, you know, you have maybe your homemade laundry detergent, or even it's just in a pretty container. Mm -hmm. You're not going to notice because the beauty is in the details and we don't see the details when we're just plowing through. Yeah. Being mentally present in the act of, in the art of homemaking. Yes gives you a chance for these things, these little things to matter and a chance for you to appreciate mm-hmm. appreciate them. Also, just as a little, also footnote reminder, nobody's going to care if you have your eggs in a sweet little basket on the counter and you're being a witch about everything. <laughs> just for the That's record. Another episode, Shay. <laughs> just saying. But so true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we can do all these things to beautify our home, but if we don't, put the same thing inward horns then you know. exactly if we're gonna, if we're just <laughs> trying to die on that hill and we're not worried about the state of our heart that's a problem just 
Okay. Just have to put that in there. Okay. Back to the thing. We have to talk about flowers because again, what says farm fresh? What says I went up to the garden and I picked these, or I went on a walk by the seaside and you know, this was in bloom or I don't have a seaside here. We walked the cliffs. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) Um, This is side note. I watched a show. It was so excellent called Sanderton which turns out is Jane Austen's last incomplete novel Mm -hmm. in the show. I mean, it leaves like on the biggest cliffhanger ever. And I was just like, how is there not a next season? What, what has happened? Why would they do this to us? And then I realized she died and while she was writing that book. So there's literally no finish. And I'm just angry that they even made the show. Are we converting you? I mean, no, I like the Jane Austen movies. They're just slow. They're a little slow. Um, Did I tell you that Amelie is making Aiden watch Pride and Prejudice with her? It's a good one. All six episodes. (laughs) He's like (laughs) 15 year old. Boy, yeah. dying a it's, slow it's only death. It's taken like six weeks. They're on like episode four. Oh my god! We only have two more, Aiden. You're almost done. Oh you my god! Do <laughs> That's really sweet. Um, okay, flowers. Yes, we took a walk by the seaside. Flowers on the table. Again, if you're going to the market a couple times a week or even the grocery store, great. I have to change mine out usually twice a week. I do it Saturday night. So I like to set my table for Sunday so that when we get up on Sabbath, like we're getting ready to go to church. It's just beauty. There's just beauty there. Things are clean. Laundry's done. Church clothes are set out. I'm talking about the ideal Sunday, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> Ideally, One this is how it all rolls out. Shoes. <laughs> matching shoes. Everyone has their socks. No one goes to church without underwear on. But, oh, my God. How many times? <laughs> so many times. <laughs> so many times. But the table set with fresh flowers on Saturday. I do make sure of that. And then usually around Wednesday, I kind of got to do it again. You know, just you're looking a little lackluster. You're not like it doesn't have to cost any money. Like those weeds on the side of the road. I have been known to hop out and cut a ton of those. That's what I did in Alabama. I went on walks and I just foraged branches, Mm -hmm. (laughs) ditch flowers or like anything I could find. Anything that was green or had some sort of life to it. Yep, that's it. That's all I use. Branches are really good. Um, but something tablecloths, I'm just, I, I can never get over the difference that a tablecloth makes. I love them. I, I, I love them. Sale, I'm like, if there's a stack of linens, I'm going through. Yeah. I'm in a tablecloth. Yep. yep. Our table is so long. Stu made it to fit. Like we could probably fit 14 at it. It's pretty large. And it's really hard to find tablecloths. Oh, I just, <laughs> I, not as long as yours, but it's long. And usually there's like a wood on each yeah, side, which is yeah. fine. Again, charming. That's fine. But I've learned just in this last year that I, I really feel the best about the table when it's a white or off-white cream tablecloth. <laughs> and then I just use the little smaller cute antique ones, like down the middle, you know, across yeah. the middle of it. And then the ends are are clear. Um, I don't know. There's something about that clean palette that I, maybe because we also homeschool at our table and there's constantly like Lego men and 
you know, swords of some kind and watercolor stuff. Like there's always stuff on the table. And when it's white, I feel like it's easier to like (laughs) clean it. I don't know. Um, But yes to the tablecloth and yes to flowers. And we were tooting all the same horns. Yes to candles. I mean, get some beeswax candles and you will feel like you are at the farm. So simple. They smell so good. I was going to say too, for if you are in town and have a little backyard and gardening isn't your thing, but you're a little bit curious, you can, most of us have like a little perimeter around the house that's dirt or something. Just go to the hardware store and get that $6.99 bag of zinnia seed. Mm. It's usually with like the pollinator mix or there's like, they're like one bag's like blue, one bag's hot pink. They're different colors. And they, a lot of times they'll have one that's just all zinnia. Just throw them down. (laughs) scooch the dirt around a little, let it rain the next day. Yep. And you'll have some flowers forever. Yep. Zinnias are so wonderful. So easy. And sunflowers. I think everyone should grow sunflowers. I love sunflowers. Giant, offensive yellow. I just love it. (laughs) It's like the only place in the garden that I like yellow. Me too. But it's because it's up. I get the really tall ones, you know, and by the time that they bloom in summertime, the sun here is so bleachy that you need actually super vibrant colors to cut the white light. It's white light. Otherwise everything Mm -hmm. just looks like a faded linen. It's not, it's not good. Right. You kind of need those hot colors. Linen. So tablecloth, Mm -hmm. these wax, Uh, ditch the paper towels for a little stack of Tea towels, just get the mm-hmm. bundle off of Amazon, green stripe, red stripe, blue stripe. Yep. Whatever floats your boat, that will give you all the farmy feels in your kitchen. Cloth napkins. And you can do the same thing. You can just get them and use them as napkins because napkins can be a little bit more expensive. But for like $17, you can get just like a stack of 24 tea towels. And we use them for everything. We use them for mm-hmm. towels. We use them for napkins. Last night at dinner, I didn't have enough. So I was like, everybody share. <laughs> Put it in, in the mm. middle between the two of you. Yeah. You each have a corner. Yep. <laughs> We've done that before too. Um, you know, we, we do sort of say we, we tend to revert back to the same things a lot. And I think that's actually a good thing because people can realize that homemaking actually isn't that complicated and yeah, this incredible is incredible like skill involved, never ending list, yeah. but this isn't like, Oh, that's impossible for me. No, it should be really possible for you because it's not super complicated. And I was just thinking, what are the things we always say? Like cloth, napkins, tablecloths, flowers, candles, music. Now there is music that I listen to that takes me to Dawes, for example, is a Los Angeles band. And when I listen to them, I love their music, but I'm like in like an eighties car driving down a highway in Los Angeles, like at dusk. And I'm just super melancholy. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's like buildings that are starting to turn their lights on. Sorry, I'm getting a little weird, but, but you know what I mean? Music gives you a feel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like Dawes makes me feel like I'm alone in a city which is not like, it's not like a comforting feeling. Right. Mm -hmm. And then there is music that makes you feel. I remember being at Stuart's best friend's house in Macon, Georgia. His name's Alex. Hi, Lauren. If you're listening, Lauren is his wife. I remember being at their house for the first time. Here I am from Washington, go to the South for the first time. We're in this beautiful Southern kitchen, old architecture and the Allman brothers 
Did you, do you listen to the Allman brothers at all? Have you ever listened to them? I mean, if I, maybe would, if I heard them. you would know them. Okay. So they have a song called whip and post and this song was blasting in this kitchen. And it was Saturday morning. Mrs. Friel was making pancakes. And I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, I've never been so comfortable. Like mm. it's just like Southern bluesy rock, the smell of pancake. I mean, it was just thick. You could just feel it because music has that ability. And so like, what are your go-tos where you're just like, I want that feeling. I want that like, well, it's to emphasize everything that like have a specific memory because I have a specific memory um, that's related to a farm and music. I mean, I have many, but like this, okay. We had moved to our rental farm and uh, my boys are obsessed with frogs. Mm-hmm. And so we had a hatchery, a fish hatchery nearby, and I drove them to the hatchery because we were going to select frogs and, you know, for the aquarium yeah. and just for the property and just buy a bunch of them. Um, when we, and it was very beautifully landscaped and the hatchery was in a barn. So they had all these galvanized tubs full of all the different kinds of fish. Like they supply the Midwest with fish, just a beautiful, but simple rural property, nothing fancy got out of the truck. So you're already like, oh, this is so pretty gravel driveway, Mm -hmm. barns, forest in the background. We got out of the truck and they had the most peaceful, beautiful, instrumental bluegrass playing out loud outside, like in rock speakers. Mm. And it just like, as if the spell wasn't already cast, it was like Mm. farmy pixie dust was just being sprinkled everywhere because of this music. It just, yeah. You were just entranced. Like, I don't want to leave this place. This is yeah. so magical. And there was nothing magical about it. It's a fish hatchery. <laughs> and that's, so that's my move. Oh, I'm like, okay, I'm going to so take wonderful. that with me forever. I'm going yeah. to play instrumental bluegrass. Mm-hmm. You have the mandolin, you have these soothing sounds, steel mm-hmm. guitar, you know, sounds that I personally love. And so playing it outside or I, sometimes I'll put point the speaker out the window so that if I do have to run outside to do something, I can still hear it. Yeah. But then I can hear it in my kitchen as well. So that's my move is instrumental bluegrass. Yep. I always have my speaker in my kitchen. Like that's the source of music. That's where it comes from. I'm like saying like you all crank my window open, <laughs> point the speaker out when I'm in the garden. Um, I, every year I tell myself I'm going to get a rock speaker. Excuse me. Like a, for my garden. Yeah. I never do. Maybe. Yeah. Put it on my handy post-it note here. Yeah. You do a post-it note. I'm looking at my library now to see what other things I tend to turn to. Um, jazz is a really big one for me. Jazz is a very, it doesn't necessarily have that farm feel, but it just has that very comfortable, um, like just great American jazz, easy listening jazz kind of yeah. stuff. Um, let's yeah, see Sydney what else. Bechet. Sydney Bechet. That was, yeah, yes. Uh, CCR. I know you're not like a huge vintage music person, but Creedence Clearwater Revival. Love me some CCR. Okay. Love the Allman Brothers. Um, Love Marcus King. Ugh, Marcus King. Um, What else? A lot of Bach, actually, Mm -hmm. like instrumental Bach. There's some great ones about that. You guys have heard uh, Pink Martinis, a great Portland-based band. They have this kind of vintage feel to them. They're super fun. Heck Go to yeah, there's so pink martini. Yeah. We could do a whole show about how much Ange loves pink martini. I know their song Hang on Little Tomato. Um oh my gosh. There's I remember like, I saw them I, in concert at Ravinia. Oh, you did? Oh yeah, they're amazing. Oh, I'm sure. Times. Oh, they're just incredible. I mean, she sings in like 12 languages. Like 
come on symphony band it's crazy yeah they're incredible very very fun um Gautier Capuçon he's a French cello player we've talked about him a lot he's great Melody Garrett that's that's all like a different vibe for me that's like when I've got my heels on and I've got a champagne and I'm making like a swanky dinner those yeah that's fine vibe okay that's fine Okay, I have a last but not least when you're ready to wrap this this business. Okay, I guess that's it. Oh, the last one I was going to say, Philadelphia-based jazz singer, um, Melody Garrett. Love. Again, vintage, yummy, all that She's good feel. So delicious. Yes. Yep. <laughs> okay, those are the last ones. Okay, friends. Okay. So okay. I'm thinking, last but not least, do you want to cast the final spell? Put on an apron. <laughs> How did we not talk about that? Just that's it. That will do it. If you're not used to it, just do it anyways. I just dare you to wear it for a few weeks every yep. time you're doing housework or you're in your kitchen and it will give you all the feelings. Yep. It's like um being in costume. You know, it is like if you ever dressed up as someone, kind of like you have the persona now, you yep. know? Yep. That apron, and there's just something about it. And if you've yep. never worn one, just get one. Just, you know, just rock that for a little while and see if you do not become completely addicted. Georgia put one on the other day before she washed dishes and she put it on and she holds her arms out and she said, Superwoman has arrived. And I was like, I hope that that's what you think of yeah. an aproned woman, Superwoman. <laughs> I love it. I, I watch my girls. They're so cute. We have like a whole stack of them in the hall. Yeah. And if I'm like, could you please do something, something? They walk in, they grab it, hook it over. Ready. And I'm like, who taught you to do that? I mean, I suppose I did, but it's just like they're, <laughs> yeah. oh, they yep. just put it on and they look so cute. Yep. That's really good. Well, we hope that this episode has encouraged you, ladies, wherever you're at in life, whatever homemaking looks like for you, just to take it to that next level. Continually work on these little pockets of finesse because, frankly, I don't think it's an understatement to say that changing the world starts in your home. Mm-hmm. And just do that well. And I'm excited to hear from you guys over on Instagram uh, via Ultra Feminine Friday, the hashtag Ultra Feminine Friday. And let us know in the comments um, if you've employed some of these changes, if you're somebody that does dream of living on a farm someday, or you have no desire to live on a farm, but you just want some of those farmy, cozy vibes in your mm-hmm. house. If, you've, if you adopt any of these ideas, let us know how you feel about them, how they worked out for you, what you liked the most. I would love to. I would love to hear that personally. Yep. And if you'd like to hear us talk about a certain topic, we always do appreciate your suggestions. So just email us info at homemakerchicpodcast.com. And we'll see you guys back here on Monday. Have a good weekend. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.